You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. podcast this is your panthers head coach coordinator search edition this is brian joined by john as always john how you how are you doing on this fine evening Uh, it's fine evening brian good glad to hear it so it's been a lot of just speculation over the last few weeks and people finding their their potential candidates they want you know the next up-and-coming Mm-hmm. Young head offensive coach, her young head coach, uh, the next Sean McVay. That seemed to be what everybody was targeting. And the Panthers, they got half of that. They got about half of that right. They grabbed Frank Reich, former Colt coach of the Indianapolis Colts, who was unceremoniously fired very early into last season, despite having some pretty successful offenses and seasons. Um, Overall, it sounds like he really wowed the coaches. Uh, he walked into the interviews and basically had a big, a really good set plan from what the reports are saying, where he already he had already interviewed potential candidates in the event he got the job. Um, very much, it's funny, actually. I remember reading that David Tepper didn't actually tell any of the coaches or people who were in the search who he liked, and they all kind of unanimously agreed on Frank Reich. So, John, what are your thoughts? Um. It's cool. I think, like, um, it's one of those things where, like, you know, it's been, it's been, like, what, a week now since the, uh, yeah. and, um, it, it's one of those things where, like, I think it's a good hire. He's, his, his resume, I think people, a lot of people point to, like, his last, whatever, third of a season he had in Indianapolis. And I'm like, yeah, see, he was a disaster. Why will he be any better here? It's like, I mean, he was good the majority of the time he was there. Um, the quarterback situation wasn't great. And I guess if you want to say like, he's to, partly to blame for it, I guess, but then it becomes what uh... this whole, well, the thing with that too, is like, I know I've seen stuff that's like with, with Frank Reich, uh, Scott Fitter gets more control of the roster. Cause you know, Matt rule insisted on having a lot of say in that. And Frank Reich lets other people do other people's jobs, which is cool. So it makes you, you know, it's like, well, if that's the case, then that was probably the case in Indianapolis. So the whole quarterback situation probably wasn't his fault or his idea. Um, so it's just to it's, interject real quick. I don't mean, I just figured yeah. while you're mentioning it, there was a lot of whispers online that the GM would not let him draft a quarterback. Yeah. Right. So like, that's instead, we're just going to like get everybody's cast offs and see if it works. 
Right. And like they almost did. Like yeah, they were okay I mean, with Philip. I mean, they did like decently with Jacoby Brissett as quarterback. And like, yeah, Carson. They almost made the playoffs with Carson Wentz. Yeah, <laughs> Carson Wentz had to fuck that up, but yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard for me to really fault Frank Reich if it's true that he couldn't go get the quarterback he wanted. Where right, and allegedly it was because the GM felt that if the quarterback drafted ended up being a bust, he would be the one to let, get let go. I don't know how substantiated that is. That's just what I read out there on the various forms of media that you can consume NFL news on. But I mean, yeah, he won. He took the Colts to the playoffs in his first year with Phillip Rivers at, or the actually, that, I guess that wasn't his first year because his first year would have been when Andrew Luck retired. So yeah. Um, but yeah, then after Jacoby reset, they had Phillip Rivers, the corpse of Phillip Rivers, who was basically already retired before they brought him in. And he made the playoffs with him, and all of his offenses were scored relatively well. So it's, I mean, when you want an offensive-minded head coach and your offense is doing well, I mean, especially when you have mean quarterbacks like Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan, which I don't, I know Matt Ryan was fine like 2021, but at this point in his career, I think he's done. Yeah, so. he had a while where he was on pace to shatter the record for fumbles in a season this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just the, can't even hold the ball anymore. But, um, yeah, it's one of those things where I – and I said this a couple times, like, in comments and elsewhere. Like, I, I don't know how it's possible to have, like, a super strong feeling about coach hires because it, it's this just this game of, like, how much – are they to blame or credit for other things in their past situations? And also we don't know the dynamics inside of a building that like contribute to like what makes a coach good or not. So I know it was one of the things that happened a bunch where we're like arguing when Frank Reich was with the Eagles and the Eagles were really good with him as their offensive coordinator. Like how much was it Frank's Frank Reich's fault and how much was, was Doug Peterman or, or Doug Peterson to get the credit. And it's like, people are like arguing about that. And like, that's, this is dumb. We have no way to know. We're just guessing. Right. So I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like there it's easy enough for me to see the like the reasoning behind it, so like I'm cool with it. Kind of my yeah. hot take. It's like my hot take reaction. No, that's kind of how I feel about it too. Like it's really hard to have an objective feeling about. It. I mean, think about this. Back in 2020, the Panthers hired Matt Rule, universally praised move. Yeah, we were they were, they were like it. Yeah, we were pumped. It was the new hot guy out there not hot you know not physically not physically yeah he looked like he looked like a slob (laughs) but um everybody was excited about it there were definitely some i will give some credit there were plenty of people out there who were like why do why is he bringing in only uh temple guys so right i'll give that that props to frank reich as well he's already made some really good moves as far as his supporting staff um but yeah, as you said, it's hard to objectively decide whether or not Frank Reich is going to suck or not for the Panthers. You can really only look at his past success. And aside from the one bad season in Indianapolis, where Indianapolis looked almost more uh, almost more volatile than the Panthers did last year at points. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's had success in the league. He's clearly a quarterback focused and offensive focused coach. So I don't know, just give them the, give them the chance. I mean, there's two sides to the story because 
when you look at someone like I know Ben Johnson was one that people really wanted from the from the Lions. Um, you look at that and say, okay, it's the young guy. He might have some new ideas. He might be more plugged in as far as making as far as running the offense and stuff. But they're also complete unknowns. You know, for every Sean McVay, there's a Cliff Kingsbury out there. Which, granted, I believe we mentioned this on the podcast last time. Cliff Kingsbury didn't have any past success anywhere else, so that's not necessarily <laughs> the best example. But there's always going to be those coach, those young head coaches who are just not ready to be a head coach. Well, it's just, also, it's like being a good offensive coordinator has almost nothing to do with being a head coach. Right. Like, you it, obviously, if you keep, like, play calling duties and stuff, you, there's, you maintain that aspect of it. But there's so much more day-to-day stuff that goes into being a head coach than being the dude that calls plays. So just being able to, like, scheme a good offense and call good plays, you know, situationally does not at all mean you're cut out to be the leader of an entire team. Right. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett, and not that he was, like, super good other places, but, like, he was a big, like, he was a good get for the Broncos after being Aaron Rodgers' offensive coordinator. And I think he's generally, maybe not, like, an elite offensive coordinator, but is generally regarded as a good offensive coordinator and was like, just couldn't do the head coach stuff. Yeah. The Broncos offense as a whole was horrific. And yeah. And we even saw it. it, We even saw it ourselves with Matt rule and uh, Steve Wilkes, the very different looking team as far as preparedness and right. Game plans. Like as much as, as, as much as people are going to were saying, oh, well, the Steve Wilkes uh, offense is very simple. Yeah, but they were built to be that way. And Matt Rule couldn't seem to figure that out. Yeah. So like he that was how they constructed the team. Strong offensive line, be able to run the football, not make the quarterback have to throw a whole lot. And all of a sudden, when the Panthers let go of Matt Rule, all of a sudden they were doing the things that they were built to do, at least what we were told they were built to do. So, yeah. It wasn't like the whole reason that Matt Rule allegedly fired Joe Brady was because like he didn't run the ball enough. Right. Yeah, that was pretty much what it was, which then this year, you know, they still had Baker throwing the ball like 35, 40 times a game and also just completely feeding Christian McCaffrey and only having Foreman average one to two yards or uh, excuse me, one to two carries per game when he was literally brought in to spell Christian McCaffrey. So yeah, it's personnel yeah, decisions. Yeah. Yeah, it's personnel decisions. It's keeping your offensive coordinators in check with whatever game plan you believe to be the best. I mean, the head coach, even if they're not the one calling plays, they're still developing the game plan for the offense that game. And it's the offensive coordinator's job to execute it if they're the one calling the plays. So that's all. But overall, I mean like you were saying, you can't really objectively ha- feel one type of extreme or another about it yet, but evidence that it's going a lot better than the Matt Rule era. They hired I, I, a hell of a defensive... Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, that's what I was going to get to, is like, it, I was. I know one of the things we hired, so it's a good transition, because I was going to say, one of the things that I was wa- wondering about was like how much, you know, uh, nepotism or like retreads we're going to see on rule or Reich staff because we saw it with uh with every coach we've had before and when they've left right like when we brought Rivera in originally 
it was just like he brought basically like all of the Chargers staff with him and a couple people that he worked with on the Eagles were like he yeah. used to fill out his staff. And then uh, Matt Rule brought in like his college coaching staff with him and some guy. And then like when we, when Ron Rivera left here and he, he took like almost literally the entire Panthers coaching staff that got him fired with him to Washington. Right. And I was like, is Frank Wright going to do the same thing here? And then the first hires that he's made are, I guess, decisions he's made with the staff are retaining the offensive line and special teams coach from here from last year, which were both, which I'm sure he was pressured a little bit to do that. And that was partly partially from like a front office ownership perspective was like, hey, we really need you to keep these guys are good. But, you know, he did it. And then hiring going outside of this, his bubble to hire a defensive coordinator I'm like that. That's reassuring. I did enjoy that it took him a little bit to decide that with Campen and Tabor as well. Like, so I think they, I think he, he already kind of had them in the plans, but I'm sure he did his little bit of due diligence just to make sure. But right. yeah, I mean, those were the two guys behind the two most successful groups in on the Panthers last year. I mean, the special teams was great. The offensive line was much better than we've seen in probably almost a decade at this point. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely encouraging. And I did really, really like them bringing in the guy, Jiro Evero from the Broncos. I, I'm sure they've crossed, I'm pretty sure they've crossed paths before. And that's one thing there's, it's one thing to, to have to deal with nepotism where you're just bringing in the guys that you were coaching with on your last uh, coaching yeah. group. But it's another thing to like interview someone you cross paths with like Evero and bring him in anyway and Evero it was his first season as a defensive coordinator for the Broncos but he's been under a whole lot of different coaching trees so very yeah, he, successful before, yeah before that he was before that he was with the Rams with Sean McVay and I think I, I don't know how much it's proven to be true but it's it's more true than false if nothing else um like everything that Sean McVay touches turns to gold and all of the coaches on his staff seem to go elsewhere and be fine at if at worst mm-hmm. so far unless i'm thinking of missing somebody but uh yeah he was like their secondary or their safeties coach and then got promoted to passing game coordinator and so like if he, he's kind of working up the way the sean mcveigh tree which has been working for people so right it's a good get from that and then just not that this is good evidence but like he super highly sought after right like yeah the broncos wanted to keep him he's like i want to go see who else is out there. So they let him out of his contract. And I think like every team that has a defensive coordinator opening wanted to interview him. Yeah. And he had head coaching aspirations as well. Right. We interviewed him to be the head coach. Even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's some good due diligence. And uh, the other guy that we brought in do Staley. He was the guy I shouted out in my offensive coordinator potential preview um, as someone where I didn't really know if he would be even be someone that they would consider for offensive coordinator, but I thought based on that background with Frank Reich, he was really good. He was a head coaching candidate with the Eagles for a very for the last several years. Then he went to Detroit with Dan Campbell to potentially become a head coach. Unfortunately, his mom has health issues, so the Col- or the, the the Lions allowed him to come over and make a, lo- a lateral transition to be closer to his mom, but. Great hire there. I'm not sure what he's going to even be doing yet, but yeah, I was going to say Staley's been around for a long time as a running backs coach. 
I was going to say, we don't even know what his job title is yet, do we? No, we don't. It's most likely going to be uh, running back slash assistant head coach, just like he was at the Lions, but he will be in play for the offensive coordinator position, is what the... It, his Wikipedia says Carolina Panthers 2023 to present uh, TBD. Yeah. <laughs> As That's his like funny. job title, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. They haven't exactly said he. They just say he's gonna have a role. But I know at the very least it's gonna be a lateral role. So, right, which I get. The Lions deserve a huge shout out for like being cool. Yeah, props I mean, to Dan Campbell and their organization. Not like I mean, I'm sure he would have just like resigned, but you know, to just let him do that gracefully. Cool, right? Move. Yeah, very cool move. And it's not like his his uh his um, potential to get a head coaching job being in Carolina is any different. I mean, he right. it's another – they're going to be rebuilding the offense. They're going to be bringing in a new quarterback. They're probably going to be bringing in another running back of some kind and being more running back focused for any new quarterback they bring in. So that's not a terrible spot for him. I just really – based on the fact that the Eagles coaching staff has been extremely good over the last few years and the fact that Eagles fans were – sad to see him go that makes me think it was a good hire like and these are all guys that are not not walking in off the streets from a college team or just coming in as um you know the next step up from like a quarterback's coach or a defensive backs coach these are guys who have been in the league for a very long time so and had success like at the positions that they're yes. the roles that they're taking on here yep right like like Deuce Staley, if if he does end up being like the running backs coach, assistant head coach, like he was doing that with Detroit, and they had one of the best running games in the league, and he kind of, you know, I don't like again, don't know how much to attribute to each person, but Jamal Williams has had like a career renaissance in Detroit oh, this yeah. year, and uh, and then DeAndre Swift is like he was, I mean, he's a highly regarded prospect, but he's been very good. Like the Lions were not supposed to be the offense they were this year. No, they and were high powered as fuck, and that was not that was not at all projected. <laughs> Right. So, and obviously Jared Goff gets a lot to do with that. And I don't know how much Deuce Daly, you know, he's not the quarterback's coach or anything like that, but you know, he's, he's, he's got something to do with it. Yeah. But yeah, their running game was like a top five or top seven or something unit in the NFL. Yeah. And he does have a lot to do with that. So it's, it's the, the trend has been so far. It's people that are not necessarily like brand new to him, but they're not like within the immediate bubble. Like we've seen before. Right. We're like, right. Hey, 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 guy, that was my whatever, like, quality control coach last year at my job I got fired from. Let's want to do it again. Want to run it back? It's like, let's find people that have had success that we know. Yeah, like, and, hey, and, yeah. like, like, hey, Mike Shula, we, our offensive coordinator <laughs> got signed to be a head coach. Why don't you just step up from quarterback coach to offensive right. coordinator? I'm sure you can do it, buddy. Right. I'd rather do, I'd rather not, like, hires like go like go through the trouble of interviewing people i don't know very well mm -hmm. i don't you just you just you you saw what uh what chud did right just just do this just do the same thing mm -hmm. it's just that okay. easy here's the it's playbook awesome. from last year just do it yeah just call the plays from this playbook it can't be that hard yeah yeah can't be that hard right so yeah it's it's, it's been it's, it's exciting and nothing else that we're maybe not that we're kind of going outside of this, this the the immediate circle to make hires and they're all like very objectively good or at least i can say that their resumes are all very very strong 
Their resumes are very, very strong, and they're people that were interviewing for jobs elsewhere outside Carolina as well, which yes, is always a good, good point. Sign. Yeah. Right. We're not just like, yeah, we're not hiring our buddies that no one else even knows they exist. Right. Um, like, I don't, like Matt Rule's staff, I'm pretty sure he plucked from nowhere in the NFL, right? Yeah. I mean, Joe Brady might have been uh, yeah, someone, but true. yeah, there's no way that there's no way that Phil Snow was on anybody's radar as a D de- as a defensive coordinator. And, to his credit, I thought Phil Snow did a great job with the defense, despite mm-hmm. the pieces he had. So yeah, it is funny that I guess Joe Brady is probably the one like more league-wide, highly sought-after candidates that we hired under Rule, and he was the first one to go, basically. Oh yeah, that's how it and works, then, man. And and then he got picked up to be the quarterbacks coach of the Bills, who are a much better run organization than us. Yeah. So it's like ah, maybe maybe that was. Maybe we're a little backwards Short-sighted. on that one. Yeah, yeah. That's not, that sounds like Matt Rule. The more I hear about Matt Rule, the more after he's been fired, the less that I enjoy anything about him. So, yeah, I mean, I try. Yeah, it's it's. I feel like it's human nature, but I've done the same thing, right? Like, uh, you try to be optimistic and like see the silver lining in things, or be optimistic about people's decisions, and then when they're not here anymore and they're not there to defend themselves, or you don't have to like mind like bend your brain to 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 accept what they're doing it's like okay maybe yeah it's pretty bad yeah i mean that's what we did with like the sam Darnold trade for example we kind of tried to justify it at the time where in the end it turned out to be the massive problem or the massive bust of a deal that everyone that many people i shouldn't say everyone but many people said it was going to be Um, right I'll never forget my my sister who I didn't even at the time like I hadn't realized at the time how much she had gotten into like paying attention to football, and she like we were like hanging out and she's like, so why did we trade for Sam Darnold? And I was like, oh, you know, he like maybe change of scenery, uh, had he was highly regarded coming out of college, and we think maybe you know he's got a shot to turn around with like a good offense. She's like, yeah, but doesn't he suck? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I mean. Can't say no. Yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, before we keep moving on, just a little quick thing. Um, so yeah, Scott Fitterer is a pretty hotly contested subject by with Panthers fans right now. <laughs> uh, which is not fair, I don't think. No. It's because he got brought on after Matt Rule, so like that wasn't he had no input into that decision at all. Um, from the the. I don't know how much has been said like explicitly, but the kind of stuff that you can kind of read through the tea leaves with the stuff about Reich, where it's like one of the things about Reich is it'll let uh, Fitterer take control of the roster building like he didn't have under rule and stuff like that, where it's like, I don't know how much, like obviously Fitterer had a job and was doing things and contributing to all of these things, but it's one of those things, again, I don't know how you can, you can as a, as a from an outsider's perspective, uh, accurately determine like the division of labor there, like how much blame and credit everybody gets. I mean, it's one of those things where after hearing about how Matt Rule was super enamored with Sam Darnold, it's like, okay, I can maybe like give him a pass on that one. And overall, I mean, he's clearly aggressive when it comes to trades. And I just like that in general, just because hmm. we ne- we've never really had that. Um but the fact that he's still here does speak to something, I think, because if he was really Matt Rule's little yes man, where he was hired just to kind of like be the GM for Matt Rule, 
he would have been gone, right? Oh, yeah, for sure, right. Like, I mean, it's one of those things where we can never really know exactly who had is completely responsible for what. But just the fact that David Tepper didn't fire him completely means that there's some faith there. Um, Which I, I agree re- with. And I remember when Scott Fitterer was made our GM, like that, like that was another move, which granted I I said this earlier about Matt rule, but that was another move where everyone was like, Oh, that's a great move. Like, you know, remember Mm -hmm. when they built a juggernaut in Seattle and so far his drafts haven't been terrible. I mean, they've been decent. You could argue that he had three starter level players in the 2021 NFL draft. Um, This year one so far, I'd say, few contributors here and there but in the end if they end up getting a quarterback and being successful within the next two years i don't know why you would get rid of fitterer right his process is good right yeah like we'll we'll take like if we talk about the sam donald thing and like the individual players that may may have been his decisions may have been you know rule like do whatever you have to to get my guy but like I remember researching and writing, putting up a thing a couple, a few years ago, where it was like the the idea of a, of a good drafter is a myth, and it showed basically like the cumulative like hit rate that teams were having in the draft, and there was like no correlation year to year on how good teams were drafted relative to where their pick was. Like some teams, there were like no one was consistently good or bad, and and then the the little bit that was there is like not enough to just to justify a trend it's just generally like if you have 30 a sample size of 32 it just like by numbers if you do like only have like a sample size of like 20 just by like odds somebody's going to just get lucky more often than others so like you'll have somebody that's had like a string of bad luck somebody will have a string of good luck but it's not consistent enough to say like oh these teams are good at drafting and these teams are bad at drafting we just kind of have anecdotal evidence based on like who's had more recent success and stuff like that. So a long-winded way of explaining saying the I, the process is good, right? Like we try to acquire picks, we use like throwaway late round picks to try to get proven players like LaVisca Chenault. And then we even use like that to get like Baker Mayfield and stuff like that and then we'll the idea of like trading down and moving around in the draft to try to get as many picks as possible as opposed to locking in on guys we think will be good because that doesn't Right. And I think part of it is just the whole, like the, uh, the allure of having more draft picks just because, you know, you might hit on one of them and that's, that's the whole, that's the name of the game. Like, you know, you want to hit, you want to have more draft picks. It's more, it's more uh, chances at the table to get to hit on something. But I mean, let's just think about this when we talk about the LaVisca Chenault trade, for example. After the third round, the Panthers drafted Brandon Smith, Amare Bono, Cade ba- or Barno, Cade Mays, and Killon Barnes. And they traded a sixth round pick, I want to say, for uh, LaVisca Chenault. Yeah. So Brandon Smith had a forgettable rookie year. I mean, he's not great in run coverage. And uh, he's super athletic. I'll give him that. Then there's Amari Barno. He had, towards the end of the year, he kind of kicked it on with a little bit of uh, help with the pass rush. Cade Mays seems like he was a good pick in the sixth round. Kalan Bars is a seventh round pick, and he's n- uh, nothing for the Panthers. I mean, so it's one cares, of those things. Who cares? You could argue that they had a 25% hit, hit rate on someone who is, contri- of those four picks after the third round, 
of someone who was actually like what I would call a solid contributor. And that's what Visco and Chenault was. And they gave up a six round pick for him. Right. So, and then you got some offensive line depth that seems useful, if nothing else with Cade Mays. And then, you know, other guys that look like they have a chance to contribute at some point if they're developed properly. Like, right. It's not a like you, you see plenty of guys get picked in, like even like the third or fourth round that are cut very quickly. Cause they're just like immediately apparent that they're not, NFL players. Right. So, yeah, it's just one of those things that really irritates me when, like, I understand the C.J. Henderson trade annoyed a lot of people because they got rid of a third-round pick and they got rid of uh... Dan Arnold. Sam yeah, Darnold. Dan Arnold. Dan I was Arnold. like, I know it's not Sam Darnold. <laughs> um, Dan Arnold to Sam Darnold. Arnold. Yeah, that was that was the meme for a little bit. Um, but that was – I understand why they did that. It was go- It was potentially paired – and it potentially would have paired uh, C.J. Henderson and J.C. Horn for the foreseeable future as two highly athletic corners. So there's never going to be a perfect GM. It is what it is. I'm just excited to see how this coaching staff and Scott Fitterer work together going forward, because right now they're making a lot of good decisions. Right. Yeah. I don't, I think one of the things I think happens and not just with Panthers fans, but people in general is like the misses stick. And, Mm -hmm. The, the like the home runs will obviously stick too, but the more like bait, more standard like that worked out don't live in the memory as much. So right. over time you kind of build up this like repository of like all the things that they've messed up massively and you're like, yeah, this guy's bad. He did this bad thing and this bad thing and this bad thing and over time that list just gets bigger and bigger. And it's like, I mean, yeah, that's kind of how it works, but I think it's easy to like fixate on those and become get like maybe a more negative picture than is actually there. Yep. Well, when your team's not doing well either. Right. Record wise, that also makes it, that kind of exacerbates things. Like if the Panthers somehow made the playoffs this year, people would probably be bitching a little less about things like the Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield trades. Um, Yeah. It's also like, it's, it's, it's very frustrating because no one, because you can't like analyze this, but so much of building, a good team is just like dumb luck. Oh, the I was actually, it's funny. You bring that up. The Eagles are a really good, uh, a really good uh, case study on that. I mean, they, they drafted Jalen hurts, but he was a backup plan for Carson Wentz. Right. Like if they liked him so much, they wouldn't have waited till this. If they thought he was going to be who he is, they wouldn't have picked him in the second round. They would have gotten him sooner. And they were super aggressive with the AJ Brown trade. They got they went to the Colts and said, "Hey, we'll give you or not the Colts, the uh, Titans. We'll give you yeah. a first round pick and like a hundred something pick for this wide receiver you don't want to retain, that you don't want to sign to an extension." That could have very easily blown up in their faces. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, same thing with Devonte Smith. They uh, traded up to keep him from the giants. If Devonte Smith isn't as good as he was, like what if it took him like three years to really turn it on all of a sudden that blows up in your face. Cause you traded away draft capital just to keep him from the giants. So, right. And to, to draft a receiver that weighs like 160 pounds and like you could very easily plot out reasons why he would fail at the yeah. NFL level. Like the Eagles did a lot of smart things. Like for example, getting Dallas Goddard when they still had, um, shit. Zach Ertz. Yeah, Zach Ertz. That's who it was. You're uh, killing it with the names tonight. Yeah, I, I, I had <laughs> it in my head. I, all of a sudden, I was started to talk about. Uh, I started to think of somebody else, and I was like, "Oh fuck, that's not him." Um, but yeah, 
like they did that when they didn't need to. So very well run organization. Don't get me wrong, but there is a lot of luck when it comes to, and being aggressive is one of those things where if you hit, you look like a genius. If you don't like with Sam Darnold, you look like an idiot. Right. But you gotta, you have to try and then hope stuff works out. And I don't think stuff not working out over a relatively small sample of a couple of years is enough to be like, well, he's bad. Cause even as, as dumb as it sounds like, obviously there are chances like patterns will emerge over time, but like the hit rate of like, did this player like play as well as we thought they would? A lot of that is just kind of like that one. That's, there's a lot of chance in that. Right. That's, Mm -hmm. and that's what I mean by like following the process. Like if you pick someone that's like super highly productive in college Oh, I think your headset just died, buddy. Uh, super highly productive and like has great measurables, and then they don't work. Like, is that your fault for whiffing on that? Like, right. What did you do wrong? Now, as long as there's a solid fund, as long as there's, as long as I can sit there and look at a decision by a GM and think, I get it. I won't right. quit on that's them. my thing too. Yeah. yeah. So obviously there's, there comes a time where it's like, I've understood the process, but it's failed every single time that you have to be like, maybe this isn't, you're not just, you aren't doing a good job, but like if, if I can see the process and the reasoning sound, right. Like the results will come eventually. You just got to kind of have to let them happen. Yeah. It's pretty much how, where I'm at with it. Um, I guess last piece is let's just say, Who's your your offensive coordinator if you had to pick one? Ooh, and I can I'm go first if you want. Yeah, I'm bad at I'm bad at this. Mine is my pick in my uh, article about it. Kevin Petulo, the offensive passing the offensive passing coordinator for the uh, Eagles, only because. I don't care what anybody says like the, the whole thing with um, the whole thing with the Eagles offense with Jalen hurts moving forward and really just turning it on this year that has to fall at that guy's hands. So I think you, you surround your quarterback with an offensive coordinator like him, who's young, who can, who's worked with Frank Reich and Frank Reich, obviously, who is definitely someone who knows how to uh, coach up a quarterback, make them effective. I think that would be huge. Um, I think part of the reason why the offensive coordinator uh, talks have really died down recently is because they're waiting for the Super Bowl to be over. Um, yeah. So between him, there's guys like Marcus Brady, who was the offensive coordinator for the Colts in 2021, but he was fired um, in 2022. Uh, he's currently an assistant for the Eagles. So, there's a lot of good talent out there on the Eagles. And I think that's kind of where they're like, we want to talk to these people seriously right. first before we make a decision. So that's kind of where I'm at with it is I think that the next offensive coordinator will either be one of them or a proven offensive coordinator that we've heard of in the league. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. But I feel like, yeah, if nothing else, we interview we're, we we want to interview Brian Johnson and we want to interview uh, Marcus Brady and, and Kevin Batulo, right? Even if they don't end up getting the job. I was yeah. doing like I was I was looking at something real quick. I was just like pulling up a list just to kind of like give myself some names to pick from. And uh Parks Frazier, like you were mentioning, uh mm-hmm. 
if we're talking about the nepotism angle, uh, Frank Reich officiated his wedding ceremony a few years ago. <laughs> so give him the job. So he's got the job. <laughs> yeah, it's his job if he wants it. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I don't, like I said, I'm not good at that stuff because I, I'm really bad at this whole like media thing because I'm I'm not a I don't I can't like make hot takes. But so it's one of those things where I'm like I don't know how to pick like a a quarterbacks coach that I think will be a good offensive coordinator because I just like, I don't know what he does. Yeah, no, it's always different too. Cause you know, you might have the more hands-on quarterback coaches where they're actually like teaching focused on teaching that one quarterback to be better. I mean, Ken Dorsey definitely had an, a positive effect on Cam Newton's career. Um, but overall, right. I mean, I couldn't tell you what Ken Dorsey did to do that for Cam. So yeah, yeah, I, I 100% agree. I mean, I basically just went on and looked up through Frank Reich's coaching tree to determine these guys. And for all we know, it could just end up being some quarterback's coach for a team that he's never even fucking coached with. So, Which I'd be cool with. Like I said, I, I kind of like the idea. Knowing full well that if I were in Frank Reich's position, I would definitely like hire my friends. Um, but I appreciate it when coaches don't do that. It, I feel like it just it, – it, 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 it projects more confidence and more competence that they're like, I don't need to hire my friends that I'm comfortable with. I know like I can, I can, I'm hiring good people at their job. Right. And he's got dude. It's not like he doesn't have anybody. Like he's, he coached with Deuce Staley for quite a while. So he's got right. some of that. just not all of it. No, I, I expect yeah. some of it. I mean, you only, you can't, you can't, I don't think anybody could right, be like expected to be like, Hey, I need you to hire nothing but strangers to like run. This yeah. No, what people you have, partially. you have never met before. Never talked right. to, never had drinks with. I want you to right. hire them and work with them. <laughs> right. And like and not only that, hire them and work with them, but also like your job security is dependent on their their like success at their role under you. Right. But it just like like I said, seeing the the ability to to venture out a little bit. Um uh, yeah, so I don't really have a good answer for that, but that's okay. I would I be gave out, I gave out I'm, two names, so we're good. Yeah, yeah, you got my name for me. I think it's gonna be one of the Eagles guys though. Yeah, I just I think that just makes the most sense because especially if Frank Reich is going to retain play calling duties, which by all accounts that appears to be the case, they don't need to get someone who's ready to step in and call plays day one. So that's where they right. can that person can focus more on the overall game plan, getting people prepared, help like talking with guys and like making adjustments throughout the game and relaying what he sees to Frank Reich. So that's something where a guy like I was saying, like Kevin Petullo, where he's the offensive passing game coordinator for the Eagles, it's not necessarily a huge step up from what he's already doing. He probably just gets paid a little more for it. So, yeah. So that's how I feel. Yeah. One I'm, last. I'm interested one. In, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, I'm just I'm interested in like the Parks Frazier like uh, kind of come up, and then I would be interested to see from someone who is better with like X's and O's and stuff about what he does did as an offensive coordinator when he was thrust to the, like he was thrown to the fire where the Colts were like, Hey, uh, our interim head coach is a guy that worked on TV and has never coached at any level ever. And also no one on the staff has ever called plays before. So parks, you're up. Right. And they like, I don't know. So I don't know like how successful they were. And I didn't watch Colts games for whatever reason, but I would, I feel like I would be enthusiastic about him as a like organ, an offensive coordinator and an, and a competent coaching staff if he was able to like you know succeed based like succeed relative to expectations with the Colts given the dumpster fire that they were 
Yeah. I don't know about him, but we'll see. He was well. I don't think it, I don't think it's possible to know about him because there's no way to judge him based on like the success of the offense that he had because right. of like the stuff right. I just said. But I think it says a lot about his like adaptability and preparedness. If you know, if you can look at the Colts' offense and be like, I can't even tell that they're run by someone who has no like no play calling experience and no one on the staff to help him with anything like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So and like if he's able to like do that role decently well, it's like this guy might have so there might be something there if this guy is like has a better support system mm-hmm. i think marcus brady would be the, the pick before him just because marcus brady was the one who was fired that yeah freed up that position but i'd certainly be intrigued by it i'll give you that right so but anything else on that front you'd like to touch on no Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I just wanted to give one last shout out. Steve Wilkes got himself the 49ers defensive coordinator position, which props to him. He definitely deserves that promotion to at least defensive coordinator. Kind of wish he had gotten a head coaching job, but I hope he gets the chance with the 49ers to do well. Um, D'Amico Ryans was the head, was the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. He is now the head coach of the Houston Texans. So definitely a spot where Steve Wilkes can shine and get himself into really good position for the head coaching pop jobs that inevitably open next year. Yep. I mean, the last two 49ers defensive coordinators are head coaches elsewhere. Now I don't, don't know about D'Amico Ryan's success yet, obviously, but Robert Sala has done really well with the jets. So it's, yeah. he definitely like, I'm, I'm happy he landed on his feet and I'm happy he ended up in a situation that's stable that he can like use as a jumping off point to hopefully get a head coaching job somewhere. Yeah. Maybe it's even with the Panthers. Who knows? <laughs> a couple years down that the line. Be, what a what a plot twist that would be. If that would be hilarious. Four years later. <laughs> yeah. He's like, hey, Steve, you want to come back again for real this time as the head coach? Yeah. Frank Reich retired, Steve. We need you back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a story that would be. Yeah. A true coming of age story. Um, But yeah. If that's all we have for today, then... uh. Who's your Super we, Bowl pick? Oh, Super Bowl. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I really don't want to do this, but I think the Eagles are going to win. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they <laughs> They're really good. They just are. They are like, good. They, the Eagles, hot take, the Eagles, who have only lost one game with their quarterback healthy, are really good. Well, they remind me a lot of the 2015 Panthers. Uh, 
except the fact they have a lot. They have two extreme. They no, they have two extremely good wide receivers, and they have a very good tight end. On top of having yeah. a really good offensive line, and on top of having a really good defense, like that Eagles team can put up like 200 yards rushing in a game and still have Jalen Hurts score twice in the in the air, so yeah. or three times. So they can beat you everywhere, and they're gonna and they are very much a team where they will beat up a defense. So, I mean, it, they're just so well-constructed. If anybody can beat them, obviously Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid could, but I just kind of expect the Eagles to beat the piss out of them. Yeah, the only thing I've, I'm thinking is, like, Andy Reid's record after a bye is, like, absurd. And, you know, Super Bowl – I know he's lost the Super Bowl a couple times, so, like, that that kind of falls apart. When you narrow, I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> the he's last time he was in the Super like Bowl, the last time he was in the Super Bowl, he lost after the bye. <laughs> yeah, he's like one in what one and two in the Super Bowl, uh, but still, something like that. Yeah, that's a small small sample, and also like it's the Super Bowl. Like, I don't your record's not going to be like stellar. It should be like because you know it's the best you're playing. It's the best team in the league other than yours. Um, if you pick the Eagles, I'll take the Chiefs. I hope you're right. Me too. I'll be I it'll be miserable in my area for like a week after they lose because then the Eagles fans will be bitching constantly about it. But after that, I'll have a nice smooth sailing into the 2023 regular season because I won't have to listen to the Eagles fans talk about how they won. There's far fewer uh, Chiefs fans than Eagles fans where I live. You don't say. Yeah. In the the Lancaster PA area, which is only an hour and a (laughs) half stone's throw from Philly. Yep. Shocking. Yeah. There are Chiefs fans here, though. I have seen them. I question oh, I mean, it a lot, but I have seen them. Yeah. There's Chiefs fans everywhere. Yeah. They travel. And also, like, yeah. if you were, like, a casual Chiefs fan before, you're, like, definitely wearing the colors with pride right now and yeah. for the foreseeable future. It's one of those things where, like, you know, when the teams are bad, the fans kind of go dormant. And if you're a Chiefs fan, like, you're not dormant. No, definitely not. And you have the added benefit of pissing off all the Eagles fans if uh, Andy Reid beats them because they a lot of them really dislike Andy Reid. <laughs> so, which is super Philadelphia because like he made them relevant when they haven't been much. Oh, they of hate that. everybody, John. That's just yeah, how they are. <laughs> like the Eagles were largely other than like you know, I, I pretty unless I'm being way off, but like Andy Reid is like by far the best thing that ever happened to the Eagles, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just fitting for them. I'll leave it with this last bit. Um, there was a there was a video that went viral on the internet of Jerry Rice popping up in the 49ers Eagles game, just on the sideline, and Eagles fans booed the shit out of him. <laughs> I'm like, how? I'm sitting there, I'm like, how do you boo boo Jerry Rice? What has he ever done? Like, nope, that's just their nature. They hate everything. They hate. Yep. They hate you, they hate your existence, and they hate everyone around you if you're not an Eagles fan. And they even hate each other. <laughs> Very interesting. And they've always, and it's crazy, I was actually, I was wrong, they were good before Reed, too, for a little bit. Like, they've been generally good, other than, mm-hmm. like, the seven, 60s and 70s. So it's like, they should be just, like, pretty happy in ter- in general, like, normal. Uh, like, they, live, they live in Philadelphia, that's why. I guess that's the problem. Yeah. City of brotherly love where we hate everyone. Yeah. <laughs> like like uh Chip Kelly was like the worst thing that ever happened to like the franchise and he was uh twenty seven and twenty one 
or 27, yeah, 27 and 21 as a coach. Like, he had a winning record as a coach. And they're like, this guy is human garbage. Get him out yeah. of here. He needs to be stabbed. He needs to be thrown into a dumpster. <laughs> yep. Meanwhile, we just had to suffer through the Matt Rule era, which was much, yeah. much worse. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, oh, man. Well, any other points you'd like to throw in there about the Super Bowl, John? Nope, that, that's it. Oh, also, good luck. Or uh, good luck to – damn it. Now I can't think of his name. I just had it. Um, You're on fire with the names. Yeah. Shit. Defensive end. Brian Burns? No, the other one that we had from 2020 from 2021. Um, why can't I think? Peter Grossmatos? No, the one that went to the Eagles from us. Oh, Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick. There we go. I was like struggling with it. Yeah, Hassan Reddick. That's who we're go good. That's the only person that I'll root for on the Eagles is Hassan Reddick. Actually, James Bradbury is on the team too. So go, so go those two. But yeah. <laughs> other than that, if they lose, I don't care. So, but. Anyway, from all of us here at the Keep Sounding Podcast, we'll be in touch when the Panthers find their offensive coordinator, and we'll be in touch as free agency and the draft ensues. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay tuned. We'll talk to you soon. See you.